This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with conservation specialists relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wildlands of the West and across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. Our guest today is Clint Nagel, president of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. Clint is retired now from the water resource mission of the U.S. Geological Service, where he worked until 2009 when he retired after 31 years of service. Clint worked in the hydrologic section of the water resource division, monitoring stream flows, groundwater levels, and collecting and analyzing water quality and sediment samples. Clint has a degree in biology from Southern Oregon College in Ashland and began his career with the USGS in 1978. A lifetime advocate for animals and wildlife, Clint is vice president of the Gallatin Yellowstone Wilderness Alliance and is on the steering committee for Montanans for Safe Wildlife Passage. He's been president of Gallatin Wildlife Association since 2019. So welcome, Clint. It's great to talk to you. And uh, let's just start by telling about uh, Gallatin Wildlife Association, how long it's been around, and what what its purpose is. Uh, thanks, John, for uh, having me on your program. Um, before I get started, uh, I want to make a minor correction. Uh, I worked for the U.S. Geological Survey, not service. About as far as the GWA, um, it's been around since 1976. Um, it is a nonprofit organization, uh, conservation organization that advocates for wildlife. Um, I like to say that we are a voice for the voiceless. Um, we advocate for wildlife and fisheries and their respective habitat. Um, so, in the year 2021 here, uh, which we're about to enter, we will be having our 45th anniversary. Um, we are an all volunteer uh, organization. We don't have one paid staff member. Um, we don't have a paid lobbyist or even a volunteer lobbyist. Um, we do ask our members to write letters or make phone calls on behalf of uh, certain issues of the of the day. Um, so you are a we, membership organization, is that right? Yes, we are. Uh huh. And uh, and you 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 do advocacy on certain issues. Do you do lobbying as well? Um, the only lobbying that we do is to advocate for uh, wildlife to our membership that we urge them to write letters or make phone calls um, on their behalf. Um, we don't do any specific lobbying on any specific bill, but uh, as you can imagine, there are lots of legislation that comes across in, in the state and federal that uh, will either help or hinder wildlife. And so we try to urge our membership about those issue, issues and educate them and urge them to make their um, wishes known. That's the extent of lobbying that we do. Uh, and that and you, have a, you have a board who uh, 
talks about issues and makes it, makes decisions? Well, we do have a board, and we also have a science advisory board. The science advisory board is a group of about four individuals that um, try to keep us on track, uh, if you will, to make sure that we are taking the right positions. Uh, we try to take positions on issues based upon science and the law, and I think that is an important uh, connotation that I need to make. And so hopefully if we get off track somewhere that the Science Advisory Board will um, kind of keep us on track. So is the, has the coronavirus affected the activities of GWA? Uh, it, it has. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I, um, I had hopes this past year of um, having more educational and informational outreach programs for the public. Um, obviously, um, we did not follow through on that as far as having um, actual one-on-one uh, -on -one meetings. We have gone virtual on a few attempts, but uh, even those have been cut back in in time and number. So it has hindered our um, ability to get together as a group um, and discuss issues uh, with our membership. We have had some You've virtual. Doing, what's that? We've been doing Zoom calls, I assume. We have had a few Zoom calls, yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, what are the principal issues that you're currently focused on? Well, as as you probably know, they they change from time to time, um, and there's there's uh, a number of them that presently, right now, uh, our big uh, interest has been action on the Custer Gallatin National Forest Revised Forest Plan. Uh, we've uh -huh. sent significant comments in on that. And we also went through the objection process uh, that the Forest Service provided. And now we are waiting on their um, decision on the final final plan. Um, huh. And of course, the, our, we have several litigation uh, issues that uh, take up some of our time. Um, and uh, one of them being um, uh, bighorn sheep on the uh, centennial on the uh, agriculture research station um, near Du Bois, Idaho. Um, that is one issue. And then also uh, grazing impacts upon the uh, gravelly uh, range is another issue. Uh, we have. Um, what, we, what's, we have been the issue? what's that? What's been the issue with the uh, the uh, the sheep station down near Du Bois? Well, the the issue has been that um, you know it's a agricultural research station that does ex basically an ex they call it an experimental range station that does research on high elevation sheep grazing, and um, there's thousands of acres there that have been uh, set aside for this. And it is in the middle of a basically a conductivity corridor for 
uh, grizzly bears, and also it's uh, it basically eliminates the possibility of uh, bighorn sheep in the area because of the domestic sheep. And uh, um, you know there's, the there's a lot, a lot of scientific evidence. Why do the domestic sheep have a have an impact on the bighorns? Uh, because of disease, domestic sheep has a has it has been shown to have a tendency to spread uh, disease to the bighorns that bighorns don't have a, an immune. Uh, they're not resistant. They get sick, and um, it's very contagious, and they can have die-offs. You're you're at, you're advocating for the bighorns as opposed to the domestic sheep, and that brings you into conflict with the sheep ranchers, huh? Yes, it, it definitely can. So, uh, getting back to the CG National Forest, uh, that's a big forest. Are you? Are you concerned with the the whole breadth of the forest? Pretty much, yeah. Although, you know, like say, uh, or maybe I didn't say, it, but the Gallatin Wildlife Association is pretty much concerned with wildlife issues in southwestern Montana. Basically, the Custer and Gallatin National Forest. Uh, you know, they at one time uh, about six years ago they were actually two separate forests, and they were joined right. together in right. 2014 to merge as one and so now it's a national forest of uh, over three million acres in uh, basically in two states montana south dakota it has six geographical areas and over covering a span of 400 miles and uh contains seven ranger districts so in that size of area there are a lot of uh potential conflicts as you can can imagine, and there are a lot of varieties of wildlife, a lot of different types of habitat, and um, it is, we can only do what we can do. Uh, we tried to cover lots of different issues on the forest, but yeah, it, uh, it definitely, especially with the revision, revised forest plan the past couple of years, it has taken up a lot of our time. The, you wrote a... Uh, you wrote a very extensive response to uh, the uh, the plan proposal. What was the forest reaction to what you submitted? Well, we GWA submitted basically 163 pages of comments on their forest plan, and the decisions that they made. We that's why we were entered the objection process. They. Uh, well, let's say we did not come to an agreement on many of them. We filed an objection on three different issues. Um, one of them was the uh, over the issue of wilderness. We had uh, basically supported alternative D of the uh, of the draft plan, which basically recommended nearly the maximum amount of wilderness in the Custer Gallatin National Forest. The Custer Gallatin National Forest did not take that plan. They supported alternative C, and there's a difference there of close to about 500,000 acres of uh, difference in wilderness lands. And uh, so that was that, and their use of uh, land um, allocation was, was a huge discrepancy. 
another discrepancy was over the issue of uh, climate change on the forest that we got the feeling that they just didn't seem to take that issue of climate change as seriously as they perhaps they should. Another issue was the uh, impact of recreation on wildlife. We are not anti-recreation, but uh, we have to, again, by looking at the science, we have to recognize that recreation has an impact on wildlife. Even hiking has an impact on wildlife. And so they took a lot of land that was once set aside as a wilderness study area and set it aside as potential um, mechanized mountain biking. And um, then the fourth issue that we had was the species of conservation concern. Uh, the forest only came up with four species of conservation concern. And we feel that there are many, many more species that are threatened on the national forest. The ones they have selected don't truly represent the impact that um, man has had on the forest. And we think they ought to increase uh, the, the listing of species. They, we think they should include bighorn sheep, moose, uh, wolverine, species such as that, because uh, climate change and human impact and habitat fragmentation has had a significant amount of um, negative impact upon the upon the forest. What was your rationale for wanting uh, a larger wilderness designation? Simply because basically of wildlife is wilderness is probably the best land management tool that you could uh, use to support wildlife. And as I just said, a lot of the wildlife that's on the forest now is being uh, basically under pressure from either, either habitat fragmentation or climate change or um, and habitat fragmentation is uh, resulting from many, many different types of activities. Uh, it could be increased grazing, grazing um, their timber management plan, recreation, just uh, a whole host of issues that basically prevent wildlife from trying to, to to move upon the landscape. And that's what we're trying to do, it, to have the wildlife establish their corridors and their connectivity to other populations uh, across the northern Rocky Mountains. So uh, the forest, uh, the Gallon Forest doesn't actually designate, this is just a matter of recommendation in their plan. They don't designate wilderness. Isn't that right? Well, Congress has the final say, yes. So uh, do you have other other groups that have cooperated in in this effort, or uh, are you are you fa basically fighting the battle alone? <laughs> well, sometimes it feels like we're fighting the battle alone, but there are other groups out there that um, we we work with. Um, most of the groups that we work with are also either regional or local grassroots organizations. Um, many of the larger NGOs, uh, they, they have their own issues and battles that they are fighting, and we are in support of most of those. But um, mm -hmm. there's, um, you know, when it comes down to a lot of the um, 
the nitty gritty uh, work of what's happening on the ground here locally. I think the grassroots organizations probably know a little bit better about what what's truly happening and the severity of the of the issue at the time. We don't do a lot. Of, we don't do really any connection with the federal agencies, although we do, we have met with senators from time to time. And, um, but it's, it's very rare that we get to that level, but we are willing and able to do so if, if need be. Is the wilderness area, the designation that you're, uh, you're focused on, is that principally in the Gallatin range or does it go further east of the Beartooth and the Priors? Well, it's um, most of well, most of it's in the Gallatin Range, but there are significant wilderness areas in the um, in the Crazy Mountains that we think uh, meet the the criteria for designation. Uh, the Prior Mountains definitely they have they meet certain um, criteria for designation, and even the Bridger Range here, as highly impacted as it is from uh, recreation and uh, other uses, there are pockets of uh, potential wilderness in the bridges, and uh, that kind of would help establish the wildlife corridor that we're trying to uh, protect from the Gallatins to the bridges, so it can move up and wildlife can move up into the um, Northern Continental Divide ecosystem. So uh, the uh, the work that you've been doing. Uh regarding the the Custer Gallatin Forest is dealing with the federal agencies. Do you uh do you attempt to influence state uh agencies as well? Well we've communicated a lot, met with people uh from the um Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks. We that's that's been the main uh reach that we have had. Um we have tried to work with them in the past and will try to do so in the future. And we like to say, depending on the certain legislation coming out of the state capitol, um, we will be making phone calls or so to either pro or against certain legislation uh, as it pertains to wildlife or climate change. Uh, we so have... I was just going to say that this past year we have um, provided uh, several comments to the state. The governor Bullock he had um, several large advisory councils that were set up. There was an advisory council on grizzly bears. There was one on forest and the forest network. There was one on climate change, and uh, GWA submitted extensive comments on all three of those uh, issues. Uh huh. Uh, so how do you feel about the incoming governor rants and the legislature? Are they going to be, are you going to, are you going to influence what they do? Well, we, to be honest, we were going into this with an open mind, but, uh, we were not naive either that we realize it's probably going to be a tough battle, um, and some issues. It just depends on, um, kind of what comes out of the state house, uh, as you know, in the past couple of years, there's been some bad legislation that has came out of uh, Helena that were were not very wildlife friendly at all, and um, most of those have been beaten back, but not all. And uh, 
we were just guessing this might be a difficult year to, to fight for um, good and proper wildlife legislation, but uh, we, we will do our best. So are you party to some lawsuits over uh, certain issues? Well, we're in a number of lawsuits now, um, <clears throat> but I don't, I don't want to get into a discussion of what could happen in the future right now. There's only maybe one possible lawsuit that uh, could be on the horizon, nothing but uh, nothing related to what could come out of the state house or anything. Uh, it's way, way too early for that. And uh, But there are some issues that, ongoing issues that we've been in litigation on. Um, you file, are, those, are those with, uh, are, are you suing the feds or are you suing, suing state agencies or who do you go after? Well, it, it just depends. Right now, we do have a lawsuit, uh, and uh, I don't want to, like say, get into detail about a lot of this, but uh, we're trying to get the Gallatin River established as a uh, designated as an outstanding resource water, uh, which means that we're trying to maintain its its parity, and so we're trying to get DEQ to do a um, uh, Enviro impact statement on that to complete what they did uh, based upon the new information um, about possible contamination in the Gallatin. And um, so that's kind of ongoing. So, yeah, it's been a little bit of both, I guess, in the past. So are there some particular species of animals that you, uh, you've been going to bat for? Well, in the in the past, a lot of the a lot of the uh, species were, would be like bison and bighorn sheep would take up a lot of our time, and uh -huh. even uh, a lot of, some of that would be related to grizzly bear issues as well. And that's that's where the uh, issues have been drawn. But I'm I've only been a member of or a president of G. WA for a little over a year now, about a year, and um, we, we want to make sure that when we say Gallatin Wildlife that we're talking about all wildlife and not just big game uh, species or so, that we're talking about, uh, you know, other little critters out there as well. You mentioned fish a moment ago. Uh, how about birds? Or do you do advocacy for certain species of birds? Uh, yeah, well, we sage grouse uh, was was one in the past that we had been working with. Uh, mm -hmm. Not it's not so much of an issue presently with with our group, um, but um, yeah, it's it, it just kind of depends, you know. We're we're a small group, and um, we can't work on everything. We know there's a lot of everybody has a pet project probably or so that. They would like to see us uh, get involved in, but, uh, you know, being as small as we are, uh, we know we just can't spread ourselves too thin. We just don't have the manpower for that, which is sure. why that we're always taking on trying to encourage people to become the supporters financially as well as with their, uh, with their support uh, from, with their time and uh, to help us to get involved. There's a lot that we could probably still do, but it you know it's it takes time to do that. And um, uh, even though m many of the board members are 
retired, you'd be surprised how busy you are in retirement. <laughs> You're right. So uh, how do you feel about the concept of forest management? Well, I guess the big issue has been uh, the, the issue of uh, vegetative treatments when it comes to a forest, uh, whether to cut or thin versus, um, or, or, you know, there's also an issue of uh, controlled burning. We, we feel that uh, the national forest has not probably been properly managed over the last several decades. You know, the Forest Service from way back in the 40s and 50s have, with their Smokey the Bear campaign, has really cut, it has worked, you know, to basically uh, prevent wildfires. Unfortunately, wildfires, as we have learned for the last couple of decades or so, wildfires are necessary on the, on the forest. And um, they help uh, lots of different species of plants and wildlife. Uh, and so by controlling, putting out those fires, uh, a lot of the forests have become uh, basically potential hotbeds for huge mega fires, especially in times of uh, climate change. It's kind of been the, um, the perfect storm situation, if you will. And um, so we're we're trying to, and it's going to be an educational battle, and uh, one that I'm not sure we're winning at the moment because there's a lot of politics involved in it. But is to um, basically allow nature take care of nature, and a lot of times the man thinks he knows best when it comes to the uh, how to manage a forest. But uh, these forests were doing quite well before man came here. Uh, the white man came here and, and settled, and um, it's going to take a lot of time to get back to what the forest should actually be like. But uh, there are things that we could do as a society to to um, make forests safer. But uh, what they involve in is, you know, we got to control climate change number one, and not the, not everybody be, believes in that. So it's um, Unfortunately, it's going to be a long struggle, I fear. Uh, Clint, we're just about out of time, but uh, you're a you're a member. You're on the steering committee for a group called Montanans for Safe Wildlife Passage. Uh, what's that about? Uh, <clears throat> Montanans for Safe Wildlife Passage is a it's basically a, an organization with uh, consisting of individual citizens. I'm sorry, citizen advocates other NGOs that have come together trying to promote safe corridors for wildlife around or over or under um, highways and byways, interstates across the, uh, the state. You know, we're trying to, there is, we're trying to cut down on the amount of vehicle wildlife collisions. And oh, one way to do that is for, uh, to have some controlled access for wildlife so they don't, uh, you know, get killed crossing uh, highways or interstates. And uh, there's a lot of death that occurs from wildlife as well as from people um, and injury as well as uh, damage to cars from 
vehicle wildlife collisions, and uh, we're trying to support the structure, the construction of underpasses or overpasses uh, across the strait, uh, across the state on um, certain high priority areas. Okay, Clint. Well, we've run out of time. Uh, you have a website, don't you? How do people access it? Yes. Uh, thank you for mentioning that. It's uh, gallatinwildlife.org. All one word, gallatinwildlife.org. Oh, that's great. Okay. You got some, some pretty interesting stuff on there, so I encourage people to take a look at it. Well, Clint, thank you very much for the interview. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a long time coming, and I, I'm, I'm glad you were able to, to do that. Our guest today has been Clint Nagel, president of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, Google Wilderness and Wildlife or go online to jswilderness5.net and see additional features of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.